Welcome or welcome back to Criminal Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jade, and thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute planet Earth to me. So, I've been gone for about two or three weeks, if I'm counting correctly, um, and I do have a reason. Um, so yeah, now I'm going to tell you those reasons. <laughs> So, um, I'm in the Army, National Guard, and I do it part-time. I've been in for over a year now, and I was away with my unit for two weeks, you know, doing Army things, and I literally did not have time to record or research any cases. So, I didn't want you to feel like I just disappeared off the face of the earth, because um, I did not. I'm also in college, and I do it fully online, um, so now, because I do it online, I do have more time for this podcast. Um, I don't physically go to college anymore. Um, once I joined the Army, I just kind of never went back, and physically going to college is such a bad place for me mentally, and I don't want to be in that position anymore, or again, ever, never, ever. Um, so I do online school, um, and I'm currently in summer classes, um, and while I, before I started recording this, I was taking a test that I passed, because C's get degrees as well. Anyway, so I'm also fully vaccinated. Did I talk trash about the vaccine when it first came out? Yes, but I think that is called growth. (laughs) Um... So I wasn't even sure if I was going to post an episode this week on the 24th, just in case I got sick from the vaccine. Um, The first dose, my arm was swollen and it just hurted. And then the second dose, I completely forgot that I got it because it didn't hurt my arm at all. And every single person I know that got the second dose said that they were like, dead. (laughs) Why did my voice crack? Like they were just sick completely. And I was like, oh, dang, I'm so sorry. So if you've, you know, if you're fully vaccinated or if you've gotten the vaccine or if you're going to get the vaccine, congrats. Claps. Claps all, claps all on the board for you. Um, also, my 21st birthday is next month. I'm a little nervous because turning 21, more responsibilities, more expectations, I don't even have expectations for myself, but it's okay. But I'm also getting my license on my birthday, so wish me luck, because there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm getting my license. Um, so yeah, then I'll be, then I can, you know, drive down the street to your house, and we can play games. Anyway, so I've been busy for a couple of weeks, going into months, and I'm just now starting to take a breath. So that is an update and a little get to know me because you probably didn't know any of those things about me which which is fine because we're taking baby steps into getting to know each other you know so it's okay so thank you so much for being patient and waiting 
for me to get back into routine. It's, it's, I'm glad to be back. I'm a little nervous, but I'm glad to be back. Now, you know, enough about me. Let's, let's talk about some true crime because that's what we're all here for. Not for me, but for me to tell you the true crime stories. So today we are going to be talking about the murder of 17-year-old Michelle Missy Avila. So let's get started. Michelle Avila was born on February 8th, 1968 to her mother Irene and her father Ernest Sr. She grew up in the San Fernando Valley with her mother Irene and her three brothers Ernie, Chris, and Mac. She went by the nickname Missy and that's what we're going to call her throughout this entire story and she attended San Fernando High School. She was a very popular girl in high school and a very beautiful girl. And because of that, she did attract a lot of boys. And on the other end, it made a lot of girls envy her because of her looks. Missy was bullied a lot growing up, and she always had that one friend that would always stick up for her, and that was Karen Severson. Karen and Missy had been best friends since they were eight years old. Karen was said to be Missy's bodyguard, and Missy would call Karen her bodyguard, and it was kind of like their inside joke. They would make jokes about that. Karen would literally fight the people that would bully Missy. Missy's family said that Karen was being picked on for her appearance as well. Missy was being picked on by the girls at her school for being beautiful, while Karen was being bullied for how she looked as well. She was much taller than the other girls, her hair was different, and her body was shaped a different way. When Karen was 14, she became pregnant, causing her to drop out of school. And since she was no longer at school, Missy and Karen didn't see each other every day, so the relationship between the two became strained. Junior year of high school, Missy started dating a boy named Randy, and Randy had a reputation for a quote-unquote being a bad boy. He was always partying, living life on the edge, you know, that was his, that was just the life that he lived. Missy broke up with Randy a month later because he was constantly partying. Shortly after the breakup, Karen and Randy begin a relationship, as in Karen, as in Missy's best friend. And I don't really know the reason why. I don't know if they were actually into each other or if it was like to get back at Missy for something. I don't know, but that's got to be weird, got to be awkward. And it, mm -mm, mm -mm. Uh, no, that's weird. So because of Karen and Randy now being in a relationship, it's gonna cause some bad feelings towards Missy and Karen, uh, towards each other. Karen and Randy ended up moving into an apartment together. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 I don't, I don't know how, who, what, when, where, why, how it happened, but it happened. And Karen you know, by this time, she returned back to school after her pregnancy, and like all Karens, they are annoying. And if you 
All right, Karen, I am so sorry. If you're not annoying, then I'm definitely sorry. Um, but Karen came back to school and just began running her mouth saying that Missy was putting more effort into boys than their friendship and that Missy was dropping her and their friendship from boys. That's funny. That is, that's funny because who moved in with her best friend's ex a month later? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Karen. Okay. So there was an incident or a situation. I don't really know what you would call it, but Karen, Missy, and Randy, they all go to this party. And Karen looks over and sees that Randy is talking to Missy and that he pulls Missy onto his lap. Now, Missy knows that this is wrong and told Randy to get off and leave her alone. She wasn't interested in, in any of it. I mean, she was the one to break up with Randy. Missy goes to tell Karen and, you know, tells her what happened and tells Karen to break up with Randy. But Karen says no. And that she still dates Randy and ends up stop talking to Missy. Missy and Karen would always skip school and that would have an effect on their grades. Now, because of this, they had to transfer schools from San Fernando High School to San Fernando Mission. And it was just a school for people that were struggling to keep their grades up. While at this school, they meet Laura Doyle. Now, they all, isn't meeting them, I don't know, but they all knew each other. They were all in the same grade, they lived on the same street, and they have all been friends since they were eight years old. Different sources say that the three of them were inseparable. They were like triplets. They were always close. They're just like the sisters of best friends or best friends of sisters. And some sources say that they hated each other and that they were always arguing. Ten days before Missy's disappearance on September 23rd, 1985, Karen and Missy get into a physical fight at the park. A witness that saw them said that Karen had threatened to hit Missy over the head with an empty beer bottle and then pushed Missy to the ground and began beating her. Missy's mom, Irene, said that the arguments that Missy and Karen would get into would always be about boys. Irene said that she was aware of the fight between the two because Missy told her. Irene said that before the fight at the park, Karen and Missy hadn't spoken to each other in about a month. Two weeks prior to Missy's death, Karen visited her house and wanted to talk to Irene about her daughter, Missy. Irene said, quote, Karen started telling me a bunch of dirty things about my daughter. She said my daughter took everyone's boyfriend away and that she was a big flirt. And I told her, if you're not going to talk right, just get out. End quote. Like, why do Karens always have the audacity? Why does this Karen have the audacity to go to her best friend's mom and talk trash about her? You gotta go, Karen. You gots to go. On October 2nd, 1985, according to Irene, she said that Missy told her that she was going to hang out with Laura Doyle. Laura was going to pick her up and the two of them were going to spend the day together. 
Laura picked up Missy at about 3.30 p.m. Missy told her mom that she and Laura were going to be going to the park together and that she would call her at 8 p.m. just to check in with her. The park they were going to was called the Angeles National Forest, and it wasn't a strange place for them. They would hang out, party, socialize, just have a get-together, um, so it wasn't really, you know, strange. So when Irene heard that that's where they were going, it wasn't anything weird. At 6 p.m., Irene gets a phone call from Laura, and Laura asks Irene if she could speak with Missy. Now, Irene is surprised because Laura and Missy were together. Laura tells Irene that they ended up not going to the park. Laura tells Irene that she dropped Missy off at a different park and that she saw her get in a blue Camaro with three boys. Laura says that she dropped Missy off because she was going to get gas. She left Missy with three complete strangers, gets gas, comes back, and see that Missy is no longer there. Like, if this made sense, because it doesn't, isn't that wasting more gas? Driving your friend to a park, dropping them off, then driving back to the gas station to get gas, and then driving from the gas station back to the park. That makes absolutely no sense. That's wasting gas. Um, I mean, what type of friend? Like, why would you not? Why would you not take me to the gas station with you? Why? Much less drop me off with three random guys. Come on now, Laura. It's not adding up. The next morning, Irene files a missing persons report for Missy, and two days later, on October fifth, nineteen eighty-five. Missy's body was discovered face down in a creek pinned under a log. Her body was found in the big Tuyunga Canyon in the Angeles National Forest. Her hair was chopped off and a four-inch log was on the back of her head. The autopsy report was done and the cause of death was drowning. After Missy was found dead, Irene, Laura, and Karen became really, really close. They did everything together, they went everywhere together, and they would constantly search for the blue Camaro that they would never find. Karen and Laura both went to Missy's funeral, and Laura sent Irene a sympathy card along with $20. Irene said that, quote, She was so heartbroken about what happened to my daughter. She also said, not only was I Missy's mother, but I was her mother too, end quote. Karen and Laura were both cooperative with the authorities. There was no problem at all, and nothing seemed fishy about them to the authorities. And they both, you know, even offered to help Irene, you know, when she wanted to talk to the authorities as well, just be there for moral support. After Missy's body was found, Karen moved in with Irene. And Irene said that Karen became obsessed with Missy's case. She would visit her grave several times a week. She covered the walls in the room with newspaper clippings of Missy. She would visit the creek that Missy's body was found at. And Karen told Irene that she once saw Missy's ghost. If that doesn't say 
guilt written all over it. I don't know what does. Like, she, she did that to make herself feel better. She's like, all right, you know, I'm going to move in. So one, they don't suspect me. So two, I can feel better about myself. That, the, the amount of guilt. <laughs> no, Karen. No. Karen says that she never moved in with Missy's family. All she did was visit them frequently. Karen said that she had ulterior motives for helping Missy's family. She said, quote, I also wanted to know how the police investigation was going. I wanted to know who the suspects were and what evidence they found, end quote. For three years, the police had one story to go off of, which was Laura's story, about her dropping Missy off with a group of three boys in a blue Camaro. Then she went to get gas, and when she came back, Missy and the three boys in the blue Camaro were gone. Two years in, or two years later, I should say, Laura changed her story, saying that she didn't drop Missy off at the park. She dropped her off at a church parking lot. She said she never mentioned it because she wanted to cover up a drug deal that was going on. Like, Laura, go go sit down about a drug deal going on. Shut up. Stop lying. There was no drug deal. There, there was none. Has anyone actually ever experienced a drug deal going on? Because I have never seen one. Uh, anyway, let's continue. In July 1988, three years later, a girl named Eva comes forward to the authorities. She told them that she was at the park with Laura and Missy the night Missy disappeared. Eva said that on October 2nd, Laura went to pick up Missy, but Laura wasn't by herself. Following behind in their own cars was Eva and Karen. She said her and Karen were following behind Laura and Missy, and they followed her to the park. According to Eva, Laura, Missy, and Karen all got out of the car, while she stayed in the car, and the three began walking into the wooded area. So Miss Karen here has the audacity to go on the Dr. Phil show. Um, I watched the, the interview. It screams psychopath, possessive, obsessive. And I got scared and super uncomfortable just from watching the interview. But um, she talks about what happened in her, in her eyes, what happened that night. So according to Karen, she said that she had years of resentment towards Missy. She said the three of them began walking in a wooded area, and at some point, Missy sat down and didn't want to walk anymore. She didn't want to go further. Karen said that she and Laura chopped off pieces of Missy's hair, and Karen said that Missy wasn't crying, but she was screaming at them and arguing with them. Karen said that Laura started backing into the creek and told Missy to get into the water with her, but Missy refused to do so. So Missy's back was facing Karen. So Laura is in the water. Missy is in between the two of them and Karen is behind Missy. So Karen 
pushed Missy into the creek with Laura, and once she's in the creek, Laura tied Missy's hands behind her back and began holding her underwater. Karen said that Laura did bring Missy back out of the water, and Karen locked eyes with Missy, but instead of helping her, Karen turned her back on Missy and walked back towards the car, leaving Laura to murder Missy. In March 1990, Karen and Laura were convicted of second-degree murder and sentenced to 15 years in prison. Karen ended up serving 23 and a half years and was released on December 9th, 2011, and Laura was released in December 2012 after serving 22 years. They were charged with second-degree murder instead of first-degree murder because the jury was not convinced that the murder was planned. After Karen and Laura were arrested, people started talking about their relationship with Missy, you know, what it was truly like. People said, quote, Karen was definitely jealous. Missy was prettier and she had a lot of friends. Karen was always fighting. She had to prove something. Missy just had to be herself, end quote. Karen had this strange obsession with Missy. Um, Irene said, quote, if another girl wanted to be Missy's friend, Karen would make sure that that girl wouldn't get close to her. She was very possessive of my daughter, end quote. Another person that was all friends with the three of them said, quote, if Karen didn't go anywhere, she didn't want Missy to go anywhere. She didn't want her to have other friends, end quote. Mark, who is Missy's brother, said, quote, She knew what the whole family was going through, and it didn't faze her. I think Karen wanted to be a part of the family. She wanted to be Missy. She wanted to take her place, end quote. Now get this. After Karen is released from prison, she released two books, one called Hope Beyond the Fences, which was released in June 2013, and in 2014, she released a book called My Life, I Lived It, which was released two days before the anniversary of Missy's death. And apparently, she had a deal to make a movie-slash-documentary on the whole case. Um... I haven't read the book. I'm not going to waste my time reading that. Um, but people that have read the book say that Karen is in no way remorseful for what she did. And she has a victim mentality. Um, she said that half the proceeds were going towards the movie she had made a deal for. But Missy's family sued Karen in 2015. So Karen no longer gets any profits from the book. Now there is a law in California called Missy's Law and it's where convicted criminals can't profit from their crimes such as writing books, making movies, all that stuff. To make you hate Karen even more if you do or don't because I don't like her. I she makes she makes my blood boil. She now tours schools talking about the dangers of bullying, and is an advocate for anti-bullying. That is crazy, because she herself is a bully, and is a hypocrite, and killed her best friend. 
I, I like how do you how do you even get into being an advocate for anti-bullying because like if if you've been bullied you obviously want to be an advocate for anti-bullying so it happens to no other kid but when you're the bully it's different I don't like ima- okay let's imagine this she introduced herself she's like hi my name is Karen I killed my best friend when I was 17 years old. I spent 23 and a half years in prison for it. I'm also a bully. I would fight the bullies for my best friend. And I tried to profit from her murder. And I was obsessed with her. And now I talk about the dangers of bullying because I'm an expert at it. I can tell you one-on-one what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. Don't forget the part where I mentioned that I killed my best friend because I was jealous and had years of resentment towards her. How do you, how do you, how do you have the audacity to murder your best friend, then go to schools and, and do that? I don't, my eyes are tearing up. Um, I don't, I don't know, but, um, ooh, I think. Karen has no remorse. Um, I don't know where Laura is. Um, do I think she has remorse? Probably not. Um, Karen said that she is a changed person, and I, and I do want to put this out there that it is possible to change. Um, but I just, to me, I feel like people that murder people. It's so hard for me to believe that people that have murdered people, such as their best friend, or innocent people, or their sibling, or gosh, I don't know, anyone. If it's not self-defense, I feel like it's very hard for me to believe that you have changed. Um, Of course, we do make mistakes in life, but I mean, damn. I mean, like, if you're, I don't know. It's possible to change, but I feel like you have to show it unintentionally that you have changed as a person of course the relationship is never going to be 100% the same as it was before but if you kill your best friend or anybody if it's not in the self-defense it's very hard for me to believe that you have changed and that's just my personal opinion um but them cutting Missy's hair off it just really shows how they felt towards her that she was I don't know, I saw an episode on Criminal Minds once where the little girl was being um, sexually assaulted by her uncle and she had a dolly that she cut the hair up and that's how she felt like ugly on the inside. Um, So that's kind of what they saw her as, just an ugly person. Um, So Karen was jealous of Missy and yes, jealousy is a normal feeling to get. Um, Jealousy makes you do evil things. It does. Um, Jealousy and money is the root of all evil. Um, It's normal to be jealous. Um, And you can be, you can be like, oh, you know, my, my best friend has a brand new car. I'm jealous and that's fine, but I'm not going to go and kill her because she has a nice car, right? That's the normal thing to not do. Kill your best friend because she has a nice car. And then you can be jealous, sprinkled 
with evil. And it's when your best friend has this brand new car and now you're going to kill them. Why? Because you're evil. And when an evil person is jealous, when an evil person has money or needs money, they will do whatever it is. They will eliminate whoever and whatever they need to do to get to that target to make themselves feel better. Um, so there is a, a difference. Normal jealousy and jealousy sprinkled with evilness. Um, but someone that you've been best friends with since you were eight, how do you look them in the eye, watch them get murdered, and turn your back on them? And how does Karen want to play the victim? How? You don't get to say you're the victim. You don't. When you're the one that bullied people, when you're obsessive, possessive, and was jealous of your friend, you don't get to say that you're the victim. I don't, I don't think she's changed one bit. She wouldn't write two books about the crime where she's playing the victim. She wouldn't have a movie in the works. And then be a hypocrite and go to schools advocating against bullying. It, it doesn't... You can't get much hypocritical than that. You cannot. You cannot. Anyway, there are tears. I'm, I'm getting emotional. I'm getting angry. Um, frustrated by this Karen woman. So we're going to end it here. So that is the end of today's story. I would love to know what you guys think. Do you think that Karen is a changed person? Or do you think that she isn't changed? Do you think she's remorseful what she did? Um, thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. You can follow my Instagram at criminalcuriositypod, where you can see the pictures of the case behind the scenes or just to keep up with what's going on. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And you can request any cases that you have through Instagram or Gmail that I will have in the description box below. It's just at criminalcuriositypod at gmail.com. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time, bye everyone.